0: The suffering of Jesus, what do we remember and what do we, what do we need to know about that suffering? Uh, there's three aspects of it. We remember and share three areas of the suffering of Jesus. Number one, his sorrow. We, when we suffer, we are sharing the sorrow that Jesus endured while he was here on earth. Second Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow brings what? Repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. So there are two types of sorrows. One, you sorrow because you're sorry about what's going on in the world, but there's a s- another type of sorrow, a sorrow that you see inside yourself. That I see inside myself that brings me to a helpless and hopeless uh, demeanor before the presence of God that causes me to repent. You know, godly sorrow brings. Repentance. You know, if you're a child of God, um, sin is, is not something that you're happy about. It just isn't the case. You're not happy about it. You know, uh, When b- before, I, uh, before I became a Christian, and I shared this many times, you know, s- sinning is not a matter of, I- uh, it's not an issue with me because I didn't know anything any better. You know, to me, I just felt like doing the things that feels good to me, that feels natural to me. But then again the spirit of God comes in and there's that conviction that every time we sin there's sorrow involved. You know, there's sorrow and that sorrow is a sign of repentance for the child of God. If there's no no more sorrow um with sin, I mean we're we're doomed. You know what's going on in our world today? I mean, I was just talking to some of you about this. You know, all of the all of the the the, the violence the shootings now in the big cities, the demonstration, all of the burning of buildings and all of these things, ha, ha, what, is it, what is it showing us? It's show at, at least to me, uh, you don't have to share my views on this, but at least to me, it's showing me that there are people who don't really recognize that human beings are capable of doing evil things. You know, if you listen to what "Quote unquote," experts are saying. They're saying, you know, the reason why somebody murders somebody was because they're a victim of something. You hear that? You know, there's always a reason why somebody looted that store or somebody burned that building, and the reason why they were driven into doing it was because they're a victim of someone or something, perhaps their family background, their upbringing, their economic status, and we come up with all kinds of reasons why this this things have been happened. here's what scripture says Jesus says he never entrusted himself to human beings because the heart of man is de- desperately wicked and sinful we are capable of doing bad things without re- rhyme or reason because we're fallen that's why we needed a savior a savior who'll take care of that very sin nature that we're capable of, of doing of becoming. And that's the power of this communion that we are experiencing. E- you know, Jesus had sorrow. The sorrow involved, you know, his heart of love for the people of God. Secondly, we remember his shame. He endured our shame. Uh, in Genesis 3.21, when Adam and Eve had sinned, God has to kill an animal, take the skin of the animal, and clothe Adam and Eve to cover what? To cover their shame. Because sin is shameful. And you know that's what Jesus did on the cross. He just, he, you know, he just didn't pay <laughs> for the sin. He covered it. He covered it. There's a covering that took place. He humbled himself and died for us. And how do we respond to that? When we come to the Lord's table, we remember that the Lord of the universe was put to shame for you and for me. Here's a scripture uh, uh, for you. Uh, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. So the shame that we're supposed to pay for, Jesus covered on the cross. And thirdly, the sacrifice. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 1 to 2, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You know, as Christians, um, there's this place of security, okay, that we have for our salvation a place of security when in, in terms of God's participation and fellowship with us. But that place of security is not necessarily a place of safety, okay? We are just as vulnerable to this virus as a person who's not a Christian, okay? Everybody, we're, we're, we're not, we have not been removed from the problems that humanity is facing. And I just want us to be clear about that. You know, security as believers, the security that we have has nothing to do with whether we were safe or not. Safety and security are two different things. I'm secured because Jesus has my life. You're secured because sec- Jesus secures your life. When and if you die, you are in God's hands. Whereas when you and I die outside of God's hand, there's no security. You can be the sa- you could live a safe life throughout your life and die and go to an eternally separated state from God. And not have that security taken away from you. And that security will be gone. So safety and security are dif- two different things. I hear preachers tell, say all the time that the safest place you can be is at the center of God's will. Yeah, I've said this many times. But that isn't true. The most difficult place we could ever be is at the center of God's will. Sometimes there are more trouble being in, uh, you know, in the will of God <laughs> than, than it is when you're outside the will of God you know some people are saying well you know why do missionaries get themselves killed out there in the field it's because their security doesn't rest on the things uh, of this world their security is with the lord and safety is not guaranteed but i'd rather have security than you know look for safety all the time we got to we got to take risks you know faith has to take risks you know Faith has to take risks. And the reason why we can take risks is because we're secured in the Lord. Okay? Sometimes the most uncomfortable place is at the center of God's will because all suffering, loved ones, is a molding. We're being perfected. We're being conformed to the image and likeness of Jesus. And we can't accomplish it without going through the fire's Suffering. You know, how many of you like fish? I love fish. Alright? But you know what? I hate the smell of fish. I love it, but before I could eat it, it has to be either deep fried or grilled. You know, when you start deep frying a fish, you can start smelling that thing. Why? Because now the real flavor, the real appetizing thing about the fish is... Because it's gone through the fire, and the same thing with us, you know <laughs> you know God, God cannot smell us unless we're cooked, right God doesn't want to smell us raw; we stink when we're raw, we gotta get burned, right, we gotta get fried okay that this is not a very, very uplifting thing to say. But at the end of the day, loved ones, okay, it's better to be a an aroma to God's to God's presence. You know, entering heaven. And the angels are saying, Who, who was who, who was that who made it here? You're not supposed to. you know, no. <laughs> when we enter the pearly gates, the angels will say, Hmm, God will love this one. He's been fried well. She's been through the grill. You laugh now, but let me tell you, that we all have our deathbeds. right? And hopefully, 99.9% uh, y- 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 of people say, when I die, I just want to be sleeping and never wake up. You know how many people die that way? Less than 1%. Right? But if you're a follower of Jesus and you're in your deathbed and you're suffering... God is saying, "Hmm, I can smell him now." Oh, he's coming over. Oh, he's smelling so good. She smells so good. She's been through the grill. She's been through the oven. I know there's many of us, you know, you look at the past and the life just smelled bad. Don't worry. God is putting us through all of that until we've been through the sacrifices that, that, that Peter explained here in this passage when he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If, if you are insulted because of the name of Jesus, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests in you. Faith always look at the future. Okay, there's going to be trials and tribulations. There's going to be inconvenient, unpopular, unglamorous things that we're going to go through as Christians. But that's all part of the frying process. (laughs) Secondly, Holy communion is for a community of converts. It's for the community of converts. It's for believers only. Okay, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship of the breaking of bread and to prayer, Acts 2.42. Again, in Acts 2.47, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God as they continued to walk in Him. Communion, the Lord's Supper, Supper is for believers only. If someone is not a follower of Jesus, we suggest that you first come to a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to offer ourselves to Christ as His disciple first, as His follower first, before we can partake of this communion. Look at the verse again, verse 27. Therefore, whoever, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body And the blood of Jesus. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. So two things are happening here. Number one, if you're not a follower of Jesus, and I I just trust and pray that everybody here is a Christian, all right. Otherwise, this sermon is not gonna mean anything anyway. All right. The fact that you're listening gives me great hope that you are a follower of Jesus right but if you're fo- if you're a follower of Je- uh, not a follower of Jesus you need to come to faith in Jesus first okay you need to turn over the keys to him and let him be the ruler of that life if you're a follower of Jesus here's and 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 an there's a, a disconnect between what it means to be a Christian and how you're living as a Christian We are called to examine ourselves. We are called to, you know, uh, get reconfigured, okay? Uh, You have to put a reset button somewhere, okay? That's what I always do when my computer crashes. There's got to be a reset button here somewhere. So that's what we do, okay? Uh, The body of Christ is the church, and the blood of Jesus is the fellowship that flows within the body, of Christ. That's why we come here this morning. That's why we assemble together because the blood and body of Jesus, spiritually speaking, is being revealed right here, right now. You're the body of Christ and the fellowship that we have is the sign that the blood of Jesus is flowing, okay? So we live for God. Now there's a third reason why we celebrate the Holy Communion and that is we celebrate it As the new covenant. It's a new covenant. Jesus says in verse 28. This is my blood of the covenant. Which is poured out for many. For the forgiveness of sin. Verse uh, 6 of 2 Corinthians 3. 6 says. He is the one who has enabled us to represent his new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws. But of the spirit. The old way ends in death. And in the new way. The Holy Spirit gives life. Okay, So basically, in a nutshell, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we recognize that the Holy Spirit is now in operation in our hearts. No longer a, a, a human made sacrifices are no longer valid okay in the old testament we all know what they had to do to be able to repent and be forgiven and to be able to worship god they have to offer sacrifices animals and things of that nature we can't go on with with the details of that but the new covenant that we celebrate is now the holy spirit living in the inside of us and every sacrifice that we make for the glory of god's name is now driven by the spirit of god we're no longer the ones trying to, trying to, you know, to do good works in order to be saved, right? A lot of people think, you know, I'm a Christian, therefore I'm doing good things. Uh, you know, good works, if you're doing it on your own just to earn some kind of favor or grace or blessing from God, isn't, isn't a good thing. We are what we are because of the influence of the spirit of God that lives in the inside of us. okay I mean that's important what, you know when we when we say we're celebrating a new covenant, it means now that I am the sacrifice. I am the offering, I am the aroma. I don't need to do anything to be pleasing to God. I just need to live for God and do the things that God that pleases God, you know. And, and 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 that's basically the essence of what we celebrate. How would you like to, you know, uh, to be told, hey, c- next week, uh, you you know, Janine, you got so much sin. Two bulls for you. You gotta slaughter these two things for you, you know, to be able to pay for that. We we may we may not be ridiculously thinking in those terms, but sometimes we do that. As as Christians, we s- we asking questions. There's gotta be something that I can do in order to merit God's good favors. No, you cannot. God has to see Jesus in us. He has to see Jesus. And the Spirit of God constantly reminds us that this is not the work that you do alone. This is the influence of the Holy Spirit. This is this is when you're driving at 3 o'clock in the morning, okay? Listen. You're driving at 3 o'clock in the morning and you come to a four-way stop. There's no police. There's no body. It's 3 o'clock in the morning and you stop. Why'd you stop? There's no reason to stop. I'm not talking about California. Roll stop. <laughs> Why do you stop? You stop. People will say, oh, it's just because I'm a good person. If you're a Christian, you don't say you're a good person. You stop because the law of God is placed in your heart. Alright? When you walk away from temptation, it's not because you're trying to be a good person. It's because the Spirit of God is saying no, and you're listening. And that happens to us. Please tell me that you've been in no situation where I'm I'm tempted to do this. And you had to say no at a great expense because the Spirit of God decided that that's not for you. God says, I have not inked my commandments on tablets of stone. I have inked my commandments in the fleshly tablets of your hearts. My law is now written in your heart. That's how God does it. When my mother died, we couldn't bury her. It was a funny thing. I mean, it was a tragic thing, but it was funny. We all gathered at the gravesite. The the hole was dug. The casket was there, ready to be lowered. And then the, the funeral director says, Okay, that concludes the service. We cannot bury your mother. And I said, Why? Because nobody has signed the death certificate. And, and and I said, okay, well, she's dead. I'm going to sign it. <laughs> the funeral director says, no, not only would a doctor have to sign it, but it has to be signed with a special ink, ink so it cannot be plagiarized. You know that your death certificates are signed by a special ink. I, it's not signed by regular ink, a special ink. Well, guess what? When I died to myself... <laughs> God signed my death certificate with the blood of Jesus. And when he did that, I was never the same again, and so are you. You can think that you still belong to the world, but trust me, the moment the conviction of the Spirit comes, you will be crying before God. I don't have to elaborate on that, because the ink of Jesus' blood is in the inside of your heart. That's why we celebrate this thing. Fourth and final thing, when you and I celebrate the Holy Co- Communion, we are actually saying to God that we have a consciousness of the cross. The consciousness of a cross of Jesus. The death of Jesus on the cross, I- you know, if someone asks you for a reason why Jesus died, would you be able to answer it clearly? Let me, let me just close with that and then we'll pray and we have the communion and then we'll be done. When somebody asks you, why did Jesus die on the cross? Honestly, just think for a moment. I'm not going to put anybody on the spot. Will you be able to answer adequately? Give a few more seconds. Yeah. When somebody asks you, why did Jesus die for you? Why did Jesus die to begin with? Okay? Some of the standard answers that we get are this. Okay? He died for my sin. So if I put my faith in him, I will be forgiven and I will go to heaven. But that's still a tricky question, isn't it? It's still not a a, a sufficient answer. Those things are true. But how does the death of Jesus accomplish all of that? How? Now, let me give you a few bad views on the cross of Jesus. Really bad views that you and I have to reject. Now, these are not the views we accept as Christians. There are many, many different views of the cross of Jesus, but all of the ones that I'm about to mention are something that we have to reject because they're not true. Number 1, the ransom view. The ransom view says God paid oops. <laughs> oh, there goes the sermon. The ransom view says God paid Satan with the cross of Jesus in order to release man from sin. That's called the ransom view. You will hear that from people. Reject that. God didn't pay no ransom to nobody. There is the reversal view. Jesus reversed what Adam did. Adam disobeyed. Jesus obeyed. Eh, There's some truth to that, but reject that. Third view. It's the release view. This view says that Jesus' death on the cross released the world from evil. Ooh, You should reject that because if you look around you, evil hadn't gone anywhere. Reject this next one, a realization view. Jesus died for his sin so that you and I can have a consciousness of God. Here's another one, a reciprocal view. Jesus died so we can now love God. Eh. There are people who actually preach that. The representative view. Jesus is our example. Oh, you'll hear that a lot. Jesus is my example. No, no, no. Oh, there's another view that should be rejected. It's the rewarding view. God rewarded Jesus. And Jesus passed that reward to us. When Jesus died on the cross, God rewarded him with the salvation that we now have. And there's a final view that we must reject. It's the requirement view. Jesus fulfilled the law in order to satisfy God. Uh, That that sounds kind of good, but that's to be rejected. All these should be rejected because they don't emphasize the true spiritual condition of humanity. We are helpless and hopeless sinners who can only escape our destiny one way. The only acceptable view of the cross is this. It's the replacement view. He took our place. That's what we celebrate this morning. Jesus became the penal substitutionary offering on the cross. I deserve and you deserve to die and perish in hell. But Jesus took our place. That's the only view that matters. God not only forgave you and I, but he turned God's Anger against all of us. And if you cannot praise God for that, I don't know what.